Hey everybody, it's Dylan with the Wild Podcast, and uh, I'm sitting here at our annual First Buck Banquet, and I'm joined by a bunch of uh, relatively new hunters who've had success uh, uh, as they pursued this new journey into a, a way of life that is hunting and gathering, and uh, we just had this awesome meal, and, and how, how, how the Eat Wild um, First Buck Banquet works is... Uh, Everybody who's um, uh, been through one of our programs or just been part of our community is invited to come for dinner at my house, and everybody brings a little bit of their of their uh, of something they've hunted in this past year of their first successful hunt, and and we have these amazing appetizers, and then we sit down and have a long table dinner and share a big meal together, and uh, and then we get to this portion of the evening where we all get to tell our sort of first buck stories or first harvest stories in a very supportive environment. So, and then. The deal is, is like everybody gets comfort dinner I host, but I, I subject them to having to record their story. And I can see a lot of nervous faces <laughs> around the table here as we like get set up to tell the story. But I, I think it's a great opportunity. And, and, and I think for the people who hopefully listen to this podcast, they're, they're looking for, um, they want to hear adventures around hunting. I think they also want to hear about what people have learned and the lessons they've learned over time as they become what are now successful hunters. And uh, so I hope you guys can share that today and, we'll, and we'll, we'll get into it in here a bit. So I usually kick off these first butt banquets with a first harvest story of some kind and I was thinking about it. And um, if you've listened to my last few podcasts, there was a kind of a epic journey of the bison hunt and a few people here have listened, heard it. And if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably suffered through the three-part series of the bison hunt. So I don't know, like, should I tell that story? Or should we move on to maybe something else from the catalog of stories? I see thumbs up here. So we're, we're going to go for bison. Um, so bison, so the, in British Columbia here, uh, there is a small herd of like maybe 2,000 bison that live in the Peace area in BC. Now, these bison is kind of, at one time, like pre, like at one time, as you know, the history of bison, they were all eradicated generally from North America. They were from like millions of herd animals on the plains to like literally thousands after they built the railways and had market hunting and all these terrible things that happened to the bison herd. Um, and they, and everybody's been working really hard to recover the herds in different areas of, of, uh, of North America. And there's been lots of success and the, and the herd is relatively healthy across North America. There's this one herd in Northern BC, which, which my understanding is that, 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 that the herd itself was, uh, uh, there was people who wanted to farm bison in the Peace area and they didn't build big enough fences and the bison got out and then they just took over. <laughs> and, and now they have this great existence in the Halfway River Valley in, uh, in northern British Columbia, so much so that there's now an open hunt so that if you can apply for a lottery to have an opportunity to go hunt these amazing animals. So um, the challenge, of course, is that the, the lottery is like, I think it's like 30, 30 to 40 to 1 chance of getting this, uh, this hunt. And uh, our group got drawn this year. Four of us got drawn. And, and if you want the, 
the, the whole story from beginning to end of, of all the epic adventures that we had, there is a three-part um, epic story of everything we learned and how we approach bison hunting. But maybe I'll pick up the story, like, in over the course of, uh, well, with any animal, it, it takes a bit of time to figure out um, you, there's a lot of things about an animal that you have to figure out in order to successfully hunt them. Like, you got to figure out what their sign looks like. That's an obvious thing. And even in the first day of our bison hunt, Jenny and I spent our first day chasing moose, which we actually saw this, like, big pile of turd, like, pile of poop, and we thought for sure it was bison poop. It was actually moose poop. And, but because it was so big and we were thinking bison, we we're like, this is bison. We got on bison and we're going to chase these bison down. And it was a couple of moose. And, uh, but that was a big piece of information. Just knowing what their poop looks like, what their tracks look like, where they like to hang out. And I think it's kind of funny because like we had done, like we had done a ton of research on this trip to figure out like where to go, what time to go, where to look for bison. But we didn't do anything simple, like just Google like what does bison should look like? What do their tracks look like? Like what what sounds do bison make? Like fundamental things that you would help you better understand how and uh, how to hunt bison. And we just I just kind of skipped over all that. I was thinking more where's the trail? Like where <laughs> And like more like, you know, how far can a sled go on a tank of gas? And like more like like logistical things that just got, got kind of hung up on. I just didn't think about the fundamentals of like understanding an animal and where it's going to live. So it was kind of cool. Like this trip for me was super cool because people kept asking me like, oh, how was, how was the trip? And I was like, it was awesome. We got a couple of bison. It was great. But the part that was so cool is that like I felt like a rookie hunter on this trip because I just didn't know, I didn't know anything about the species for my own fault, not even Googling bison and behavior. And then I was in a new territory that I'd never been in. And then I was also hunting in the middle of January, which like I felt super like vulnerable because it was minus 40 out. And I didn't, I, I, I didn't know how to dress for minus 40, being from Vancouver and just not super comfortable. And then we had snow machines to like get around, like snowmobiles, which I'm not familiar with really. Like to, and so I kind of really enjoyed being like taken right back to like level one of the like 10 step or 10 levels of learning how to hunt so I really enjoyed that and so the progression of this hunt was really just a series of learning steps for me like learning what bison poops like looks looks, what is this the what is the tracks look like what type of trails do they make when they go places what type of habitat do they like to like hang out in? And what I found out is that like they really like to hang out in nice places, which is good. Like like deer like to hang out in nice places too, which is good because then you can be like, if I hang out in nice places long enough, I'll eventually bump into a mule deer or a bison. Um, so I learned these things over the course of of the week, and then the the one big one that I learned was as we <laughs> as we were. St- Sneaking up on bison, uh, we were on a herd. We'd, we'd, the, the, main, the main thing we learned is that you run your snowmobile down the bottom of the valley 
and you, and then when you cut across bison tracks, then stop your snowmobile, put your skis on, and then ski up the bison trail. Now, Jenny and I, my hunting partner, Jenny P., we had backcountry skis with skins on, and we would ski up the, uh, which allows you to climb up, up in the snow. And it's a very, very efficient way of getting around in the snow on skis with skins on. Um, and so we'd, we'd follow these bison tracks. And if you, eventually, if you follow them long enough, you kind of find yourself, they, they, they typically will they'll channel in one track for a long ways, and then they get into a nice zone that opens up, and it's like kind of nice. And there's the tree, there's the tree density kind of, it's a little thinner, the tree density is thinner, there's more vegetation, all of a sudden it opens up. Now there's all of a sudden there's signs of bison kind of going from the single track, they, and then they filter out into their own separate tracks, and they're feeding, they're hanging out which is an indicator to me that they're no longer being chased or they don't know they're being followed anymore. They're just hanging out, being bison, eating. So, okay, good sign. So, okay, slow down, still hunt, pick your way from tree to tree and look for bison everywhere you go. So we, we, we're now into day two and, we, and we, snuck, we, we were sneaking through this nice grove with bison sign filtering through the forest and I hear a grunt which I don't know what it is because I didn't Google what the sounds that bison make. And I kind of go, that's weird. And I see a flash of darkness and I ski down to a vantage point where I can see what that was. And sure enough, it was a bison cruising below us. And I, instant, I got my gun up and I looked at it through the scope and I could see bison moving through the tree, but I can't make out like, if it's like where, what I'm looking at exactly, all I can see is a black sheet of plywood filtering through the forest down below me. So, okay, well, okay. No good. And then I see, I pick up some, some activity to my, to my left and I'm like, oh, another bison. And then I grab onto it with my scope and then I follow it through the trees and all I can see is black, black piece of plywood going through the bush. I'm like, okay. And then I do it again. I'm like, oh, okay, again. So what's happening is there's a train going down by below me of bison filtering through the forest. And I'm making the mistake of like moving and following one target. After they've all filtered through, I go, oh, in retrospect, what I should have done is just picked one opening and waited for the next bison to come through that opening because they're herd animals and there's lots of bites. So big lesson. All right. So we carried on that day. We actually saw the bison a few more times and had some adventures. Um, we also saw the bison in a spot where they were herded up. And when they're out in the open, they're a herd animal, so they all hang out together. And what that means is that you might see a big bull standing there, broadside, at 130 yards, but there's eight other bison behind it, which doesn't afford you the opportunity to shoot with an ethical shot. We learned that lesson, too. Anyways, days later, we, we've, done, we've gone through the cycle of Seeing bison move into the bush, we've seen bison and herds standing out in the open, uh, and we haven't had it work out for us. And on the sixth day of our hunt, we're on bison tracks again. We sled down the trail, we're on bison tracks again, and we get on the trail and we're skinning up the trail of bison, and, and it's kind of like the whole time it's one, fil- one trail filtering up the mountain. And my feeling is, is like it's, they're not slowing down and spreading out and eating and doing the things that I hope they would do that would allow me to then still hunt them. They're just kind of going for it up the hill. And I'm with my friend, Sean, who's a photographer. He's got his camera with him. And I say to him, I say, he says, um, 
I said, I don't know, Sean, like this is not looking good. They're going straight up the mountain. Like we're only like another like 500 vertical feet from Alpine. So the good news is we keep falling up into Alpine and then the chances are we could probably like see them in the Alpine, which then would afford a good camera shot of me trying to hunt them in the Alpine. But we're also going to be like a two hour walk up the hill and there'll be potentially a dead bison up there and all of our hunting partners will never talk to us again. So this is sort of the consequence of this concept. So, so, so we're like, mm, think about it. He's like, he's like, oh, I'm game. I'm like, all right. And I'm a sucker for killing things in really far places and dealing with the consequences. Um, anyway, we, we carry on the trail just another like five, 10 minutes. And all of a sudden the, the, the animals stop climbing and then they take a right and they just start contouring and, and as soon as they do that, I'm like, oh, this is good. So I, I we reconvene with Sean. I'm like, this is good, Sean. This is, they're, they're, they've, they've taken a right. They're contouring. I think that means they're going to start filtering out into the forest and being bison and eating and hanging out. And so sure enough, we started contouring across just above their tracks. And again, just heard one little crack and a little bit of a bison sign, the flash of bison down to the trees. And I... I was on my skis and I skied down to a perch where I could sort of see where that bison went. And instead of following that bison that went, I just waited on the trail where I saw it and I had a rest for my gun and I saw a bison go through. I was like, okay, perfect. And I waited for the next one to go through and I put the crosshairs right where it was, right on its uh, chest. And when I went through, I pulled the trigger and it fell over. And we skied down to it and had a dead bison. So. What caliber did you use? The caliber, I, I used a 300 Win Mang. So, and it was a perfect shot. It, it went right through its lung and heart and expired pretty much right away. It actually, it, I, I, when I, I shot it, I could just see that it was, it was a solid hit. And I could see it running away. And I actually had one more shot at it, which I shot. And I was confident. I, I was confident in the first shot, but I, th- I shoot it again, given all the information we had on shooting bison. They're not easy. They don't die easily. Um, and then my mo- what I do after I, I shoot any animals, I sit down for half an hour and give that animal every opportunity to die. And it was fun being with Sean because Sean's a new hunter. He's, he's been in Canada for 18 months. He's from Australia. Like, goes from Australia to snowmobiles, guns, bison hunting, Next thing you know, he's got bison on his back and he's skiing off a mountain in northern British Columbia. Like, pretty awesome. Um, but uh, he was so jacked, like this, because he was shooting it and he got it on camera and, like, yeah, and just being part of the first hunt. But, like, I was just like, no, we're just going to chill. We're going to sit here for half an hour, have a snack, hang out. And it, and it, was, it was really fun because he had all that excitement of a, of a new hunter, like, just wrapped up. And I, like, I, I'm not going to say that, I'm not jaded in any way. I'm just like, I've just been through so many chances where like, uh, or so many situations where like, you think it worked out, you think you had a perfect shot and you walk down there and you're like, how come there's no hair here? How come there's no blood? Like, why is there not a dead animal here? And then you go through, then you live this terrible cycle of like trying to find an animal, which then results. It's just a challenging, horrible thing, right? Um, and I was, I was like 98% confident this is going to work out, but, and I, but I just, the excitement's not there. And the excitement's not there until you put your hand on that animal and you're like so thankful that it's dead and it's there and it all worked out. And then that excitement and kicks in along with all the thankfulness of, of taking the animal's life and stuff. So 
Anyways, first bison story. So going to hand it over to Jake here. He's going to tell us his first buck story. Okay, Jake, you got a story to tell us? Yeah, I sure do. Uh, okay, yeah. So my, my first deer was, uh, it all happened really quick. Um, so I think I'll, I'll start out with a, a bit, a bit more, more background. Um, I started preparing, uh, for hunting season around this time last year. Um, and basically just read every single detail that I could. Um, and because in my professional life, I'm a map maker and like a digital cartographer, I basically just delved into researching where I could find animals and spent a ton of time uh, e-scouting and just looking through maps and figuring out, okay, where's the best habitat going to be? Where have there been burns? Where are there cut blocks? Um, what is going to be able to access, but also further away from a lot of people getting into that? So I just like poured my my time into looking over maps and figuring out where I could find animals. And so at the end of the summer, I had picked out a few spots um, that I was interested in checking out, and I was figured it would be good habitat. And the Second spot that I went to scouting, I saw a couple mule deer. So I came back in October, and um, the first, like, I had all these different spots. Like, I had seen mule deer in this one spot, but so I was going to go there first, but I had all these different locations. And for me, like, hunting is so much about, like, the space and getting to know the landscape and interacting with, like, BC in that way. So I had had this one spot picked out, but I had like five days of different spots that I was going to check out like every different day. And that first morning I like parked the truck, walked into this cut block and tried to sit down in like a spot, like wait, but I'm a very impatient person. So I just like sat there for maybe 15, 20 minutes you know, screw More this. like five minutes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> screw, screw this. I'm going to keep walking. And I was cruising through cut block, like really trying to still hunt because there's like lots of little rolling features and still some like standing timber, kind of trying to still hunt my way through. And I got to a spot where I was like, I had a lot of vantage. So I was like, okay, I'm going to sit down here and glass a little bit. And it's so funny because, like, as soon as I sat down, I was like, oh, shit, there's, there's deer all around me. There's doe down there, a couple, couple deer over there, and I couldn't really tell what they were. And they kind of crested uh, a little knoll, and they, they hadn't seen me. They were just kind of feeding. So I was like, oh, I'm going to go check out what those were. And I, so I, I, I actually put my backpack down and just kind of like really slowly walked towards that knoll and uh, just kind of like looked over that knoll and there was two two bucks there, like probably 150 yards away from me. And I 
brought my rifle up. This is like within an hour of my first day of hunting. <laughs> and so I, I put my rifle up, like popped the scope covers, looking through, and it's just like a perfect shot, broadside. And I was like, good God, like am I going to take this shot? Like it's, it's I like, I can't not take the shot. It's all so perfect, but also like then the hunt is over. But it was like just such a perfect opportunity and... I took the shot, um, and it was, it, was, it was, like, really perfect shot. Like, it was right through the top of the heart, so the animal just, like, bucked once and fell right there. I could, I could see him laying exactly where I had shot him. And at that point, I was, I was just sitting there and, like, I had been so, so calm up to that point. It was all incredibly calm. And as soon as that happened, I just, like, could not stop shaking. I was, like, so excited, but also, like, this weird anxiety that... I don't know what it was, but I, I guess it was this anxiety that something hadn't been right because it had all been so, like, kind of textbook in a way. So I was like, is, was, that a, was that a doe? Was I not supposed to shoot that? Like, even though I had, like, looked at this animal, glassed it, like, knew it had a rack. Um, but I sat there. I was trying to sit down for 30 minutes because I'd read that's what I was supposed to do. Could not sit there and wait for half an hour, especially when I could see the animal. So I came up to it and, uh, yeah, put my hand on the animal. It was, it was a really beautiful moment. Um, and... From from there, it was it was all like, it was a lot of hard work, but it all made sense. Like gutting the animal, cleaning it, like butchering it all. It all felt so natural, even though I'd never done it before. Yeah, so it's so easy, eh? So Andy? easy, like yeah. it's super easy. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, so I I I, <laughs> no, I no, like no. I totally bust like used up all my luck because I went on a few other hunts. That season and like just got totally, totally skunked. But that that first morning was like, was perfect. Yeah, that's a great hunt. And, and but you know what you did? You did you did the research, right? Yeah, tons and, of and research, the scouting and the research, which can really help you. And then with a little luck, yeah, helps out. But it's a great story. I suspect we're going to hear some other stories around this table that aren't quite so fortunate. <laughs> so I can see some faces like, yeah. Just go. Um, anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll pass the mic and then we'll, we'll pick it up. Okay. Sorry. You're a new hunter. Just, just go ahead and tell us your story. Maybe just introduce yourself quickly and then tell us your story. Um, yeah. So I took a, a class with, uh, with Dylan and it was uh, great. And then I did a ton of research on YouTube and read books and blogs and, bugged this one guy at work that used to hunt a lot and kept asking him stories every weekend. And uh, uh, this was my second season of hunting. Uh, first season, I spent a lot of weekends out uh, freezing my butt off, walking through mud, sitting in rain. Um, and I had the one that got away, but I won't get into that story. Um, and then uh, this season, uh, again, spent a lot of weekends out there. 
Um, and then I, I went out on this uh, another weekend, a place I'd been to before in the Okanagan, and I had my plan. If the wind was going to go this way, I was going to do A. If the wind was going to go that way, I was going to do B. And uh, I went out and I walked and I sat and I walked and I sat and basically wasted the whole morning and saw tracks but didn't really see any deer. And my plan was to relocate for midday and for the afternoon. Um, so I got in the truck and go, drove to this other point just kind of on the way uh, to check out another area that I'd walked through before, but from a different angle. And um, I, I thought I'd just go take a look before relocating to a different location. So I drove up this logging road and I parked the truck and I sat in the truck, engine turned off, just glassing and looking around uh, at the area that I was looking at and saw some cool features. Uh, and I was about to pull away and then I thought, oh, I'd just glass over into this other tree line and... I see a deer, and then I see another deer, and then there are three of them. It's like, okay. So I slowly open the door and step out of the truck and get my rifle and get a magazine in and quietly chamber around. The whole time my eyes are just fixated on these deer, and they're does, but it's white-tailed doe season, so I need to verify it's a white-tailed doe. Um, so I, I basically kneeled down and looking through the scope and looking and looking and looking. And then one of them turned sideways so I could verify. I could see the tail. I was like, okay. I took the shot and it just dropped right there. So I was like, okay. I felt lucky. And I, I, I thought I was lucky, but I guess after that last story, I'm not so sure. Um, but uh, yeah, so, so I went and got it, and it was the first day of the weekend, so I had time to take it home and butcher it, but so, something felt wrong, because I, I made lots of plans before, and um, it, it just didn't go according to plan. It felt like I got lucky, so, so I kept hunting, and about a month later, uh, I was up in a different area, this time near Pemberton, uh, and it's an area I'd been to before many times, and uh, it was uh, the November long weekend, so rut season. Um, and so uh, I made my plan. It's an area I'd been to before. I'd scouted. I've seen lots of sign. I've seen deer there. Um, I went and sat in the woods basically pre-dawn. Uh, I, I slept a couple of kilometers away from where I was going to hunt. Um, and basically I was there for first light. And within less than an hour, I see a buck walk out of the woods following a doe. So I was like, okay, it's working. Um, yeah, my backpack wasn't on me because I was just sitting there. So I basically, I looked at them. I ran back into the woods and parallel to the woods in order to come back closer uh, to get a closer shot. Um, so I, I did that, and they still hadn't noticed me. They're just sitting around and kind of grazing, and I'm like, oh, this is pretty perfect. So, um, uh, yeah, so I basically lay down, rifle on a log, uh, I'm aiming up at this buck, and it's the largest rack I've ever seen in a live deer. <laughs> uh, so I'm super stoked. Um, and basically, I aim, I aim, and there was like some fog coming in and out. Um, and and basically, I, I think this is perfect. I squeeze the trigger, and the buck just drops right away behind this log, and I can't see it. I'm oh like, my God, that's still Whoo. good, though. It's still so, good. They go down right away. Yeah, I'm, I'm shaking. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe this. Like this actually felt like the hunt I was imagining. Like I made a plan, I followed through with the plan and things happened. Um, so I, I took my time because I knew I needed to wait. Uh, so I took my time, I went and I grabbed my backpack um, and I walked back over and I started to kind of slowly meander my way up the cut block towards, uh, towards that buck. And then um, 
when, so, so I'm slowly walking, and when I'm maybe about 30 yards away, all of a sudden its head pops up from behind the log. So I'm like, oh my God, no, I feel terrible. And I'm like, I, I, I can't believe this. Um, and uh, so basically, I, I aimed right away slowly. The only thing I could see was like the neck and the head. So I, I squeezed off another shot, uh, shot it in the neck, and it, well, that's what I thought. It dropped right away. Um, and I basically hung out there shaking, and these are like the worst thoughts going through my mind because I'm like, I can't believe this. Like I thought I had the perfect shot. I thought you know everything was ethical and perfect, and the first deer I got was like the perfect shot through both lungs and the heart. And um, so I'm sitting there, and all these thoughts going through my mind, and it's kind of the worst feeling in the world. Um, uh, but then you know the the time passed away, um, and I basically walked over and um, I, th- the deer was dead. Like the neck shot definitely yeah. got it. The, the neck was broken. And my first shot uh, apparently um, was a little high and I actually shot it in the spine. Yeah. Um, and from a lot of the reading that I'd done before, I knew that if, if you do hit them in the spine, they often go into a coma or pass out. Mm-hmm. So at least I was, felt that it probably didn't suffer very much. Um, and my lesson learned from that, which I think is a very important lesson, I'd done a lot of shooting at that distance and felt pretty confident at that distance and that was the perfect position. Mm-hmm. But all my shooting at that distance was at the range, which is flat. Yeah. And my mm-hmm. shot on that deer was aiming uphill at a like, significant angle. I don't know exactly what angle, but um, so I think I, I hit high because I was shooting uphill and I didn't think about that at the time. Yeah, so I think that's a, for sure. yeah, so you hit higher if you shoot either up or down. So um, so that was definitely a good lesson for me. Um, and um, yeah, so at the same time, it was, uh, there, there was a lot of learning and it was, uh, um, yeah, it, it was pretty cool to take that deer home and so, cook so, lots of delicious things. With okay, it. so what do we have tonight for dinner? Uh, oh, so tonight uh, we made uh, ground venison uh, with mushrooms and onions on top of hummus. Okay, with... and, w- and which deer was it? Oh, so that was a, a black tail. That was the, that was the, the black tail we had. Yeah, that was, that was yeah, a, really that was nice a mule deer. Dish. Yeah, it, it did not. Yeah, it was not over. It didn't taste like a big old stinky mule deer that you shot on November fourteenth. Right. <laughs> yeah. So no, it was. Well. Everything's been tasty. Amazingly yeah. tasty. Yeah, for sure. Well, no, well done. Thanks for sharing the story. All right, we're working our way around the table. Felix, you're up next. What'd you make for dinner tonight? Um, bear sausages. All right, so tell us the story yeah. where these bears came from. Okay, so uh, last year was my second year hunting, second season, and I was uh, with a bunch of guys going up on uh, a LEH moose hunt uh, north of uh, Prince George. It was like a, I think, 12-day hunt. Right. Okay. Um, How did you meet this group of guys? So, so I just want to say, like, you, you, so you, you said you came to Canada three years ago from Hong Kong. Four. Four, four years ago. Yeah. And when I met you, you came to the Hunter Field Skills Workshop, uh, and you were, you'd been in Canada for a couple of years. Yeah, maybe one and a half, something yeah, like that. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, yeah. And it was a huge step to be like yeah. Hong Kong to Singing Lands. Sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. All right. So how did you find a group of guys to go and... Oh, yeah, party. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we do this party where we talk about limited entry hunting and how you apply for the draw opportunities in BC. We bring the East Van hunting community together 
and hopefully it. The idea is that it develop. It actually yeah. like yeah, so meet people. creates connections like this. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. cool. So okay. it worked out. It worked yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that was actually my first really long hunting trip. You know, be- before I went out by myself with just like weekend, like three nights, something like that. But that was the first like real hunting trip with a b- bunch of guys, a big tent and all stuff. So um, we were, you know, looking out um, for moose. But then, you know, as with moose, you have to sit there and uh, wait for the whole day. So I think it was my third day. I uh, decided to go back to the camp a little bit early, uh, but I, but the the car was still at um, with the guys. So I started to walk back to camp. It was about uh, I guess um, four fourish. So the, the sunset is getting near. Uh, I was almost back to camp. I think it was like 400 meters from camp. And then on the side, it was an opening. And then I think about 80 meters or so, I saw a black bear feeding, grazing. So when I was walking back, my backpack was really heavy. So I dropped all the stuff on the road. And... Luckily, I decided to carry my rifle and my binoculars with me when I was going back. So I glassed the black bear. It looked pretty big. Uh, I didn't know it was male or female, but it was uh, grazing. It was kind of downhill, and the grass was kind of tall. So I, didn't, I couldn't get a kneeling shot or a prone shot, so I had to take a standing shot. So it was kind of like 40 degrees. 45 degrees uh, facing me, so the shoulders was facing me, and I took a shot. I thought I hit it. It started to run back to the tree line because it was pretty close to the tree line. After it went into the tree line, it made a growling noise. Yeah, that's you a know. Good sign. So I didn't know if it was hit or not, but anyways, it went in there. I waited just a few minutes, and then I walked down there. I walked down there to uh, by the tree line to see if I can see any blood trails. I couldn't see any blood trails, and it was getting dark, so I decided not to go into the tree line and look for the bear because I was just by myself. Mm-hmm. It was close to the camp, so I walked back to the camp. After the guys came back, I told them about everything, and then they suggested that I go look for the bear like tomorrow, mm. right? So afterwards, tomorrow, we went back, and apparently... It had fallen just ten meters from the tree line, okay. so the bear was just there, um, lying there, and um, it looked pretty good. But unfortunately, it was a gut shot. <laughs> yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I was aiming at the heart, but it was closer to the gut. Mm-hmm. So we decided just to skin it and uh, butcher a quarter it. We didn't um, take out the insides, mm-hmm. and uh, help with the, with the bear. With a couple of guys, and then that was my first time butchering. Although uh, Louis did a lot of the work, <laughs> so I gave him uh, the hide to work with, mm-hmm. and he made a uh, hide out of it. And then afterwards, we made a lot of uh, sausages, and uh, hence the sausages we had. <laughs> no, the sausages were great. To be in a band, that's what I used to say. <laughs> check, check, cash, money. <laughs> really? What was your band called? We were an all-girl punk band called Angel Spit. I was in high school, okay? <laughs> okay, so I, uh, um, May is an, an old friend of mine. We, we, we hang in the same circle. And uh, Shelly Milstein, who helped me kind of build Eat Wild, is best friends with May. 
and they started hunting together like many many well like back when we first started this project so it's really cool to have May at, at the first buck banquet here. So thank you. Very happy you're here. Thank and you for I, having me. And so, and you, and you, what did you make tonight? Uh, tonight I made a venison pate with bourbon pear jam, and I brought another appetizer, which was a um, tenderloin with uh, blackberry coulis and brie. What I loved about this too is that the. All the accoutrement, all the the, the the jellies and the and the everything was homemade. All homemade, but it but was the cheese. All, well, no, no, but it was all from the same the, the property same farm. Yeah. farm from where you guys base your hunt out of. Yeah, which is cool. Yeah, and I know cool. that spot. Yeah, it's a very special. It's, it's a very special spot. It, it, I know you know it. I know, I know, and it, it's not just me that knows it. It's, it. There's like another whole part of my hunting community that relies on this one little hill to yeah. fill their freezers and create amazing dinner parties and they're not connected I, they're not and yeah. uh it, it's really cool because we sometimes see them and we give them the eyeball yeah. um and um the really cool thing is that you know from the pate everything was like harvested from that land literally like you know maybe a couple miles from where the deer was shot so it's pretty cool cool hey so tell us your first buck first harvest story Okay, so uh, I, I'm I'm not as lucky as these guys around the table. Jake over here, like I, oh, mean, one hour I, in, I just picked the right spot and sat down. I just sat down. I did some talk over here, you know. I just planned it. Like I, I feel like I've done some work as well. I, I've been. This is, I think, my sixth year, you know, hunting. This is my first buck. I have harvested other animals before, but this is my first buck. I feel like I need to tell a little bit of like my story of getting to where I was today. And that when I first started, I did the gateway, the gateway workshop, I call it, which was the, the sausage workshop. Uh, we did it and we were like, this is freaking amazing. Why don't I eat more wild game? And uh, the next thing I knew, all of my friends, which happened to be females, were like getting our pals, getting our cores. The next thing we know, we were like at an auction at Maynard's buying guns. People thought we were like building an infirmary, like, like an infantry of women with guns. It was pretty hilarious. And uh, so we go into the field and we're, we're looking at maps and we're, we're, we're just really trying to like put all of our brains together and really use everything that we've learned. Um, my friend Maya and Shelly have done like the, the singing lands thing. I haven't, but, you know, we're talking about like south facing. We were talking about all the things that we thought we needed to know about deer trails and poop and like what time of day. And so we, you know, we put time into it. And the first couple of years, you know, I didn't expect to get anything really because, you know, I was only putting in like maybe seven days all together in the season. You know, I always hear you got to put the work in. I'm like, okay, I can do this. By the time it came to like year four or something like that, uh, I've been fortunate to have friends that have harvested. So I've always gotten a piece of, you know, game meat, which I'm super thankful for. And uh, it was part of my friend Shelly's like first kills and she didn't know how to dress it herself and we're literally looking at like a hardcover book on how to feel dress the thing didn't you guys have the eat wild app with the videos that was before the app Oh, before the app, before the app, we had like a, a, I have a bloody book <laughs> with like okay, we need to find the anus and uh, <laughs> tie it off. Uh, so that's that's how how long it's been. Anyway, um, my my first my first kill was actually a grouse because uh, you know I didn't have the chance to kill anything bigger than that, and it, it was actually quite traumatizing. I'm surprised I, I stuck with hunting. Um, I, we saw a grouse, my friend Thomas and I, and I had a shotgun at the time and he had a rifle and so I'm like, Oh, go get the grouse. I'm like, all right. 
So I, I shot it, and the bird flew up, and I saw a puff of feathers. I'm like, yes. My friend, and I was like really excited. And so I run over, and like, you know, my ethical self is like, please just be dead. Please just be dead. And I looked, and we found, we, you know, grouse are very well camouflaged if you've ever shot a grouse. Yeah. So we searched, we searched, we searched, and we found it, and I go to pick it up. And it flies up again. And I start crying because I'm like, oh, my God. And I start hyperventilating a little because it's, it's not dead. And apparently, you know, I just kind of maybe flicked a feather or something like that. And I'm like, all right, I got to I gotta do it. I got to do it. I got to do it. And so I, I take, I really slow my breath down. I've taken Martine's, like, you know, and I'm like, like um, shooting works. I'm like, I got to calm down. And I shoot it again. And poof, it flies up again and goes down. I'm like, I have to have got it this time. I'm walking in pretty confidently and like, all right, this is this is it. And I, I go to pick it up and it flies up again. I'm like, what the farts are ha- what's happening? And Thomas is like, is this like Terminator 2? Like this is the T one thousand. Like I'm like bawling. And I'm like, Thomas, you need to take care of this bird. I'm like, I cannot do it. I'm not prepared. This is my first harvest. I can't. So he has a 22 and he walks up to it. And he's like, okay, 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 okay. And then he, he he's like, like point blank almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he fires a twenty-two, and there's like a, and the bird flies up one more time. I <laughs> not. I'm like, how is this happening? And so I'm like crying, crying, crying. And all of a sudden, there's like beeping on the road, and Thomas had just parked in the middle of this like logging road. He's like, I gotta go, and he left me, and I'm like. Oh my god, this bird has to go. I'm like, it's in pain. I've shot a bird. I, it's gotta, I have to. And I remember, like, all right, I'm just gonna give it. I know, like, when chickens, you get chickens, you give it a little, like, the, the neck crack, and mm-hmm. then it's dead, and it's fast. And I'm like, <laughs> and I grab it, I'm like, <laughs> and I crack the neck, and the, the feathers, like, the wings, you know, like, when you cut the head off of a chicken, it starts to flap. I'm like, farts, it's alive still. And I, because there's so much adrenaline, and I'm like, oh, and it's still flapping. I'm like, I'll give it the neck ring, and I just give it the neck ring, and I whip it, and the next thing I know, the body goes flying that way, and I have like the head in my hand. I'm like really crying, and I'm, I kind of a little bit screaming, and Thomas like, what's happening? I'm like, it's dead, and I'm looking at the head in my hand. <laughs> Just so traumatized. And I was like, okay, we need to find the bird. Has to be dead now. Please be dead. And it's like, so we, we found the bird. It was finally dead. We had gross that night. It was amazing. I'm surprised I didn't stop hunting at that point in time. You had every right to come to the first buck banquet <laughs> with that story years ago. So I, I, I almost, I almost stopped hunting after that year because I was so. But my, my, my ethical mind was like, I have to find this bird. It's Terminator bird, but I gotta find it, <laughs> and I'm going to kill it. Like I'm like Arnold going into like the like the lava, like just giving you the thumbs up. Like we've got it. Anyway, I, I, I really almost stopped hunting after that point in time, and then I realized I had to put the time in for the deer, right? You know, so I stopped focusing on bird, and I was just there to, like, find larger game. And um, I started just putting, like, you know, 14 days towards, like, looking, looking for, for 
for deer and like not worrying about bird. And um, <clears throat> came to a point where it was like last year. And I'm like, I, I think I've done my time. I've been to many different places. I've done like a lot of research. I've made like, I have logs of like all the roads we've gone down, when we've seen deer, you know, what, what the temperature you was. You maintain a log? I have a lot. A journal kind of thing? Yeah. You're smart. <laughs> um, you know, and, you know, I try to, like, mark. We have, like, there's there's a hunting app where you can kind of, like, mark where you've been and where you've seen sign and where you think they've been bedded and stuff. So I've been doing all of that stuff for, like, the time that I've been hunting. And um, <clears throat> so this year we hunt with a group of people. Mainly start with, like, uh, Women Eat Wild, actually. I started with a bunch of women, basically. And it's become a little more co-ed now. But in the beginning it was mainly women, um, so this year I was hunting with a friend, a friend's father, who's kind of our hunting mentor. And, uh, he was like, May, this is your year. I'm like, you know, Tony, <laughs> I, and I'm playing it down. Like, you know, if it is, that's, that's great. If it's not, I'm cool. Like, you know, I'm just really happy to be part of this community. I really believe in like what we're doing. I believe in like ethical sourcing of your food. And, you know, I love the environment. To me, it's like, it's like hiking with guns, really. <laughs> I'm enjoying being, like, and sometimes you're just sitting in nature being so thankful that you're away from, like, all the noise of the city, and you're just amazed at, like, nature and in awe of it, so it's incredible. It's, I, I, I never, hunting and you don't get anything, if you hunt and you don't get anything, it's never a bad day. Maybe you're a little disappointed, but you've, you've experienced, like, fresh air and sunshine, sunrises, all the beautiful things that come with it, and so it really wasn't, like, I was just like, okay, if this doesn't happen for me, it's all right. But, you know, maybe this is my last year if I'm not... I'm obviously not very good at it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's like, maybe this is your year. I'm like, you know, Tony, it's okay. Let's just... He goes like, nope, we're going to go out first thing in the morning and we're going to find a deer. I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. So we go out first thing in the morning. This is opening day. We go out the first morning and uh, we're kind of glassing. We kind of... And we see... We're in an ATV and we see, like, a, a bunch of dough. We're like a bunch of dough we've seen lots of dough before let's not get too excited we're just trying to stay calm and then uh, we're glassing and then I see I'm I'm glassing through my binoculars and I see that there's kind of a larger larger one and it kind of turns its head and it's spike we see spikes I'm like barks (laughs) (laughs) is that a buck (laughs) and uh he's like go get it and so I've been hunting many times with this my 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 friend's dad my also my hunting partner and uh, I've hesitated many times when seeing a buck because he's like just go get it and I just I want it to be the perfect shot I want to make sure that I'm off the road I'm making sure that I'm calm that I've like Mm -hmm. have a good shot and I've passed at many shots and every time he's like, why didn't you shoot it? He's Spanish. Why don't you shoot it? <laughs> and I'm like, I, it wasn't a good shot. And he gets mad at me every time. And he's just shoot it. I'm like, I can't, it wasn't good. <laughs> and so we see, we, he turned, the deer turns and said, it's a buck. We're like, okay, awesome. And then it turns again and there's no antlers. And I'm very confused. I'm like, how does it have antlers but no antlers? <laughs> And uh, so we, we follow it. It turns out it's an atypical deer where there's one antler up and one antler down. And um, the, 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 the flock splits. And so we're like, all right, you take one side, I'll take the other side. Cool, cool, cool. So we split. We start, like, traversing up this range. And it turns out he followed the flock that had the buck. And so maybe, like, an hour later I hear a shot and I know he hasn't. You know, it's like, it's supposed to be my deer, but that's fine. You know, you've got the shot, take the shot. So he takes a shot. We spent five hours hiking up this ridge. We dropped all of our gear. So we, we had dragged it down halfway, hiked back down and got our, like our dressing stuff, went back up, dressed it, brought it back down. So this is six hours later and I'm, I'm pooped. Like I've already helped 
harvest someone else's deer. I'm ready to take a nap. He's like, May, we're going to get you a deer. <laughs> I'm like, Tony, Tony, no, it's cool. We just spent like five hours. It's like lunchtime. Let's have like some shakuts. Let's have some cheese. Yeah. He's like, Fine, I'm going to get sausage. you. It's your first deer. We're going to get you a deer. I'm like, Tony, I'm really tired. He's like, I'm go- I'll, I'll go to the next place. We have these places that we go. He's like, I'll, I'll drive to the next place. And you just, we'll get there. I'm like, all right, fine. But I'm going to need a micro nap. <laughs> and so I'm in the truck. I'm just having a little micro nap. I'm, I'm still awake, but I can hear all the things that are going. And then I hear a stop. He goes, he hits me. He's like, May, there's deer. And I shoot up out of my micro nap. I'm like, what? And he points to this like flock that's just off the road. So I get out of the, I get out of the car, and like I get off the road, and I'm sneaking up, and I look, and there's a buck there, and I'm like, what? And I just kind of like, this is not. I just had a micro nap. Is this really happening? <laughs> I just had a nap, and now there's a a buck in front of me, and I just kind of, I double checked. I'm like, all right, I'm off the road. This is good. I'm like, and I got on one knee, and I I shot the buck, and it fell immediately down a bit of a cliff, and I was like, I started to cry maybe tears of joy and tears of sadness but like I was like fist pumping at the same time but also just like finally (laughs) um so you know it wasn't this glorious story of me like stalking a deer or anything like that it was really luck but in a very different way and I got a nap in between (laughs) well done oh wow thank you oh thanks for sharing yes that was awesome that seven years. Seven and, years in. <laughs> oh, it's, it's it's amazing. But you know what's cool though, like, and I, and I love what's about like your community is like, you've had deer in the freezer for seven years. For seven years, yeah. And, and so it, it it is community that makes it happen, right? It totally is. Like every year that I've gone, someone has has, has harvested deer, and I've always been privileged to have a, a piece of it. And so it, it keeps you invested, you know. And more than the meat itself, it's the camaraderie I think that I really enjoy because it's like you know the planning of it and like the you know we meet regularly to talk about like where we're going to do what we're like where we're going to go and how we're going to approach it next time and like we share recipes and even when it's not hunt season it's like I'm pulling up a roast it's Sunday dinner come on over and so we'll have you know we'll have like venison roast with my friends at the Valhars and we'll talk about it so it's more than just like the hunt and harvest itself it's really like the community you build with like who you end up hunting with Right. Yeah. It really, yeah. truly is a community. Well, you guys have a hunt, which I really like. So I love that about you guys. You guys have you guys have your own hunt, and you move it around a little bit, but you have the same community of people that do the same hunt together, mm-hmm. and, and it's locked in. You guys do that for the rest of your lives. And yeah, it's, it's, it's so, and I look forward to it every year. You know, like a big part of my my vacation time is like set for hunting. This year, I actually have a wedding to go to, and it's right at hunt season. I'm like, <laughs> and I'm the best person. I'm the best the best woman in this wedding and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can go because it's hunt season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah. I really love you so I'm going to hunt first and then I'll go. <laughs> but that's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, I, that's the thing I love about it. So yes, I've been doing it for a very long time and not been very lucky but, um, you know, it's kind of like rekindled my passion for it and, not just getting the deer itself, but really just appreciating everything about it, like in its totality. Yeah. yeah. Awesome story. Thanks so much for sharing me. You're welcome. Awesome. So moving around the table, over to here, Daryl, to my right. What did you bring for dinner tonight? I brought two things today. Uh, I brought a venison shepherd's pie, and I also bought uh, brought some uh, Canada goose pastrami. Which is me. 
probably well, by far the best thing I've it's the best thing I've eaten in a long time. Certainly the best thing any, anybody's brought. Actually, somebody brought deer carpaccio to the first uh, first butt banquet, which was like lights out. But that was a close second. That, uh, that it's astonishing how good that was. Like it was such an amazing surprise. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a Hank Shaw recipe, and, and what did you do to it? Uh, I did a basically dry cure with you know herbs and spices and some curing salt. Um, yeah, let it sit, rinsed it off, crusted it, smoked it, finished it off in the oven, and turned out perfect. Yeah, that was an amazing dish. So, yeah, yeah, it almost inspires. I, I'm not I'm not really a goose hunter, but because uh, I find it's a little bit uh, a lot of work involved in goose hunting, like. I feel it's in a lot of ways less work than big game hunting, but I don't know. I just find it's the same amount of work, except that instead of like you get like a four pound goose breast versus an eight hundred pound moose, feels about the same amount of work. I just need to just need to get it good enough so you can bring home a handful of geese in one trip. <laughs> oh, I'm not good enough. That's the problem. So, yeah, anyway, it's finicky. That's, yes. I find it finicky, but it, it is it's a great experience and mm-hmm. it's great for us here locally. Like we can go. Goose hunting or duck hunting yeah. here in the Lower Mainland have an amazing experience. And then it's amazing that this ubiquitous animal turns out to be such good table fare. Oh, that's true. Yeah. 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 Like people hate geese in Vancouver. <laughs> if yeah. they only knew how tasty they are. Then we wouldn't have the goose problem we have. <laughs> Anyways, tell us your first buck story. All right. My first buck story started with um, doing my core course through Eat Wild and actually a story from Selena uh, about hunting blacktail near Pemberton. One of the great perks of doing that is that once you're lucky enough to take down a deer, all you have to do is basically just roll it downhill towards the truck. <laughs> so when I was yeah, filling out my uh, LEH application under a mule deer, I was like, hmm, why not pick Pemberton? It's close by, and I've heard that you know you can just roll your deer down to the truck when you're done. So I just filled that out, and I was lucky enough to be successful in getting the antlerless mule deer draw. And so, yeah, started doing uh, the research phase after that, um, going through a lot of resources like, you know, the Eat Wild resources and other stuff and like, you know, mule deer habitat behavior and stuff, going through the hunting forums, which takes a lot of sifting to get useful information, but it is there if you're willing to dig for it and kind of parse through the silly stuff on there as well. And yeah, I came up with some good areas to search through. So yeah, then I moved on to checking the maps and checking the satellite photos and stuff, looking for the good habitat. And yeah, which led to refining it down to some certain areas, which I went and scouted out in the summer. And everything looked really good. I made some plans. And yes, come uh, September, October, I recruited another old friend of mine who had interest in hunting, but he hadn't been since he was a kid with his dad. When his dad would basically drag him out on a hunting trip and him and his siblings, leave them in the car while he went hunting, and then come back. So that was his experience, and he kind of was happy to have this opportunity to kind of reclaim hunting and kind of make it his own. And so both of us, absolute rookies, went out there, and our first day once we got set up was was good. We were feeling good, wandering around there. Um, He actually spotted a doe with some fawns. On our first day, day out there, and you know, it was a doe with fawns, we weren't necessarily going to make a lot of effort to chase them, especially on our first day. And so, you know, it's kind of made a note where they were and carried on, carried on. Didn't see anything else for the rest of the day. 
Um, day two, we got up to the top of the hill way before sunrise. It was still pitch black, and it was freezing cold. It was just raining sideways, just <laughs> the most miserable weather. But we, we trudged, and we did a full hunt up until about 9.30 or so when um, the rain started to break. So we kind of met up back down at the truck. You know what? We'll go down, back to the camp, have some breakfast, and we'll come back up and hit it some more. So as we're getting back in the truck and get a couple, you know, curves down the hill there, the sun comes back out. It's beautiful weather. Nice. And, you know, it's pretty tight turns going back down the hill, so I was paying attention to the road, and he was just looking out the window, and we, not two minutes down the hill, he looks, and it's like, oh, there's a deer up in the hill there. And... To go back to the day before, on our way back down the hill, we'd saw um, uh, seen a grouse on the side of the road. So, ooh, ooh we had a shotgun in the back of the truck. So, like, yeah, yeah, we'll go for that grouse. So I jump out, grab the shotgun, putting some, uh, some shells into it. He jumps out, and he slams the truck door. <laughs> the bird flies off. off. I go, come on, man. That should be, like, the first rule of road hunting. <laughs> Don't slam the door. So, um, so yeah, we, we see the, the deer up on the hill, and jump out of the truck, don't slam the door this time. So we both, yeah, jump in, we both, you know, throw magazines in there, and, you know, I only had, you know, I'd had a pretty good amount of shooting experience at the range, but, you know, finally I see, like, yeah, this real animal, it's like, you know, about 150 yards away, like, you know, up the hill on the, on the cut block, just kind of on the edge of the timber, and, yeah, I'm so excited, I can hardly control myself, like, I'm, I'm afraid that this deer is going to bolt into the woods at any time, and it'll be gone forever. Yeah. And so I'm doing everything in my power to, like, calmly try and, like, you know, get my bits together and, you know, take a good shot and aim properly. But nevertheless, I take my first shot, boom. Yeah, nothing happens. (laughs) Deer's still standing there staring at us. Now, did you feel good about that first shot? Not at all. Okay. No, like I said, as soon as I took that shot, like, yeah, I don't know. I had had enough experience shooting at the range that I could tell once I pulled the trigger that it was kind of going where I wanted it to go. And I knew that first shot, yeah, it was off in the rhubarb. Yeah. And so, like, okay, try this again. Yeah. And I got off a shot, and I felt pretty good about it. Still wasn't totally sure, but the buck, he didn't jump up or anything, but he turned around That's good and, and walked into the timber. Yeah. And being of a calmer mind, I probably would have said, okay, no, let's, let's give this a few minutes walk up there, you know, look, look for hair, look for blood, look for any kind of sun that he was hit or whatever. But I was like, I was still in this mindset that this guy was going to get away. I was never going to see him again. Yeah. So, you know, we, we both, you know, headed up the hill, you know, it's 20 partner, like you go straight in, I'm going to go higher up, you know, see if we can kind of come down on top a little bit. Yeah. And I, I got it like maybe like, you know, 30, 40 yards into the timber. And I did see him still standing there between mm. a couple of trees. And I managed to get another shot off on him right away. Mm. And pfft, Fell down in a heap right away, and yeah, it was the whole like, that whole like ten minutes span was such such an exhilarating experience. Just like so much adrenaline going the entire time, and just to f- have this deer down and get down to this thing and have this thing laying down like like the enormity of that exp- experience like just hit me all at that time, and it's like. Yeah, and it was it was a good like five ten minutes after that, just like sitting down and staring at him, just like mm-hmm. I can't believe this has actually happened. But yeah, we uh, went ahead and got it all dressed up. And okay, before you get there, yeah, if you were to go back in time, 
how would you have done it differently? That, I would have, yeah, would, would have calmed down a little bit. Well, first off, I would have calmed down a little bit and kind of taken a few more seconds before taking the shots. And just like where I could be a little bit more confident in what I was doing rather than just like trying to squeeze off a shot before the deer runs away. Yeah. And then, yeah, once taking that shot, yeah, absolutely. Just like, okay, give it a minute. Yeah. Like, even if I miss, this isn't going to be the last deer I ever see. There's no need to be chasing after this thing right away. Or the last time you'll see that deer. Exactly. Like, yeah, because yeah. he was just, he was just going to another like narrow timber block. Like, he's probably not going to go too far, but yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that's, and that's hard to do. And even as like, one thing I have observed over the years is that deer actually, like they just kind of hang around. Like you think they're going to react, but they just kind of hang around and turn around. They mangle around. Like they'll often present another opportunity. Mm-hmm. And it's just about being patient and allowing that to happen. And it's hard for us as humans to do that as hunters. And, and, um, but no, it's cool to hear that. So what happens after? Yeah, we um, got him dressed. Uh, it was it was getting the insides out was was harder than I thought it was going to be. Uh, well, you know, we, we I actually got to see it a little bit at the the field skills camp. Yeah, when um, we actually had had the opportunity to bring down that one buck there, we all got to get our hands in it a little bit. Oh, with Rob yeah, Rob brought yeah. down that, yeah. that 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 little guy there. Um, but yeah, I, the the first shot I got on him actually did go through the guts, so it was it was a bit messier than I'd seen it before. But uh, we def we got it all done, and we really only lost the tenderloins. Oh, well, that's right, yeah. But um, that's about it, and everything else was was still really really good, and yeah, like uh, I learned in the, the core class. And in the, the field skills, we made the tow rope and just kind of gently dragged him down the hill towards the <laughs> truck. And um, funny enough, my hunting partner hadn't really seen any of this or hadn't didn't have an idea how it happened. He thought we were going to cut down a big pole and truss him up to the pole and hike him down the hill like like yeah, a like, classic barbarian style. Yeah, yeah classic barbarian style. But yeah. uh, it was yeah, it was a bit of convincing to be like, no, no, no. There's an easier way to do this. <laughs> we're we're not going back up the hill to the road. No, we're just going to go back down to the next. You know. Turn in the road. Yeah. Yeah, excellent. Awesome. So successful. It's a beautiful deer. I did see the picture that came. So Gerald did our Hunter Field Skills workshop, and then like three days later, he sends me a picture of him with this like outstanding buck hanging from a meat pole. I was, I was shocked how big it was when I got next to him. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and this, it, it was, it's a black tail, isn't it? Yeah. Like it's a coastal black yeah. tail. Yeah. Three days later. Three days later, yeah. yeah. Like a, this, this spectacular deer, I'm like, that's a massive blacktail, and mm-hmm. it's like three days after. So, so I, I, I really like take full credit for your success. <laughs> you really do. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, no, coming you off the hunter I workshop, know, like, and yeah, like, even like you know, just as, as, as a, as a point, bragging point too. Like you know, when I dropped him off at the butcher there, and they had the logs of all the other deers that had been brought in recently, and yeah, like uh, I was, you know, I was near the bottom of the ledger, and my deer was the the, the biggest one on the ledger, at you know. 119 pounds or whatever it was on the hook. Yeah, for a black tail, that's yeah. exceptional, for sure. And, and it, it's been absolutely, absolutely wonderful, wonderful food. And, yeah. And I've, yeah, I've thanked that guy every time I've sat down to eat him. Yeah, well, well, that's awesome. And, I, and on, the, on that note, I, I, well, thank you all for sharing your stories because it is a little bit of like giving out, you know, well, 
I mean, you've all given out your secret spots, and I'll, I'll blank them out <laughs> in the podcast for sure. But I've make I've made notes. Um, but no, I just appreciate you guys sharing your stories and being vulnerable and talking about this stuff, which is like it's learning, right? And we're all here learning, and and uh, and hopefully other people will listen to this and, and learn a few things, and and then um, yeah, then join us at the dinner table next year. So, anyways, thank you all so much, and we'll, we'll shut her down here, and yeah, eat well and well. Thank you. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers.